welcome to another episode of On the Go with NPOs. In this podcast, students in Michigan State University's Arts, Cultural Management, and Museum Studies program explore stories from industry professionals at nonprofit organizations across the country to shed light on what they're doing to create a world that values and nourishes heritage, creativity, and performance. I'm today's host, Bridget Coddington. Hi, everyone. Today on the podcast, we will be talking about Stagecrafters at the Baldwin Theater, which is located right here in Michigan in Royal Oak. Um, Today, we have an expert here to help to talk about it. Please welcome Erica Kennedy. She will be performing in their upcoming show, Nine to Five. So Erica, please just tell us about yourself. Well, thank you, Bridget. Um, Hello, everyone. My name is Erica. As Bridget just said, um, I just turned 25 on Monday and I, thank you. Um, It's been wonderful to turn a quarter of a century. Uh, (laughs) I graduated from Oakland University with my BFA in musical theater back in 2020. So in the middle of the pandemic, it was wonderful to (laughs) be the first graduating class of, of the Rona. Right. It was delightful. (laughs) Um, and I actually um, have accepted a job at Meadowbrook Theater, located right on Oakland's campus, where I am the development associate. Lovely. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yes, it's lots of fun. Very busy, but lots of fun. Have you been pursuing theater and acting um, like throughout college? Yes, I actually started um, doing theater when I was young. I'm one of those started dancing when I was three kids. Love that. And, right, it's very on brand. (laughs) I had my very first solo when I was six, and I was very lucky to grow up in a studio where musical theater was the name of the game. Our director at the time, our studio director, was a um, dance captain on Broadway for two opening shows, um, the original Chicago and the original Cabaret. Oh my gosh, that's intense. it was. Sandy was an amazing dancer. And I got to know her son and his now ex-wife, who is still my voice teacher. Um, Don ended up being um, on Broadway a majority of his adult life. He then came to teach at Oakland. So it really became a small world yeah. experience. And I still work with Lisa. They're, we're all still very good friends. It definitely started that um, community mentality when it came to theater starting at a dance studio that was very close right um and very well connected so it was just a wonderful way to start my career yeah completely and like I feel like that's kind of a big um aspect to um like your time in the theater with the theater and like Mm -hmm. how comfortable and your experience how you feel so Mm -hmm. I know that you are new to the stagecrafters community Mm -hmm. so um how would this compare um, in your brief time starting rehearsals and with this show, how would this compare to other theaters and other casts that you've worked with before? Well, it's so lovely to know that a majority of the theaters that I have interacted with in my career have been very loving and open and kind. And this group is absolutely no different. I came in fresh Um, to this community and I was immediately felt welcomed even through the audition process and I can't say um, I don't know if every theater is like that I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we can see theaters being so professional that we can see them as you know through that first interaction maybe cold maybe distant but in reality it's really made up of a lot of volunteers people who are underpaid and really just excited about doing the work 
to be on stage and to perform or to be pursuing their art, whether they're working backstage or they're um, a one of the directors, whether they're artistic development, whatever their role may be. And Stagecrafters absolutely is one of those organizations that leads with their heart first. And it's been apparent since the first rehearsal. I love that. And I think it's nice to share your passion with other people. And that's kind of what drives it further. Um, my next question kind of ties into this and you kind of answered it, but um, since this organization is a nonprofit and doing this, it um, is obviously beneficial to you and your life and your personality, but maybe it's not beneficial to your bank account. So what made you decide that like it was worth it to join this show? And what experience have you had that has maybe um, kept you moving or like made you feel like you made the right choice? Mm -hmm. Well, it first started actually when I was a freshman or sophomore in college. My friend from high school went on to Wayne State to pursue her musical theater degree. And she was actually at, in their production of In the Heights in college. And I remember seeing it saying, wow, this is a great show. Everyone is so good. Everything about it is so good from the quality of the production to the quality of the acting. This mm -hmm. is absolutely something I'd have to keep in the back of my brain. And then I heard announcements for, um, for Cinderella and a and a yeah. graduating class friend of mine played Gabriella, and she was just phenomenal in Cinderella. And I thought, you know what? Okay, I need to see what their next show is. And it was Nine to Five, which mm -hmm. is one of my mom's favorite movies. I saw it growing up. Yeah, it's got a timeless theme, right? Of empowerment. So I thought, wow, this this is a sign. I need to audition for this show. And then from there, it it's it was it just became a reality. And I think we're a little. We're very early in the process. Totally. Um, still, but from what I've seen from the end results to just the very beginnings is the fact that everything is done with care, precision, and just with a whole lot of heart. Like I said before, rehearsals, every minute from an actor's practice, by every minute is respected and cared oh, yeah. for. Mm -hmm. Jerry, our director, has been making sure that he has said to us, you know, this is important to everybody in this room. Everyone needs to put in their full effort, but we're here to have fun. That mentality, take, I think, takes a lot of pressure off people about yeah. feeling the need to be perfect all the time when this is going to be a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And it allows more growth. It allows a lot of open, a lot of emotions to come forward and allow us to work through those together. It has just been amazing. And again, it kind of feeds right into the thought we were saying before about having a nonprofit. I mean, the pandemic has not been kind to anybody, to right. really anybody. I know that, you know, um, for a fact that at Stagecrafters, they actually asked because they had to cancel over 40 performances total wow, for the 40. year, 40 total of all the shows they put up. And instead they asked their season ticket holders if they'd be willing to donate, you know, their return ticket money mm -hmm. to the theater so they could pursue productions when they opened. And there were, there were a number of um, patrons who donated their time and their talents to make sure that when things were open and to follow procedures to make theater happen again, mm -hmm. it, they did. And I yeah. think that's, that, that just talks about the community itself in Royal Oak, that oh, they completely. see the need and the importance of theater and the arts in their lives. Yeah. And that, that sometimes can be rare in certain areas. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that this community really is like so arts driven. And um, mm -hmm. I think um, this theater has done really well with COVID and stuff like that. 
speaking of just like um, your rehearsal process, um, are you feeling like COVID safe? How is that going? Are there any like precautions you guys are taking? Everyone absolutely is taking um, precautions. We are still asked to wear our masks when we're in the rehearsal space together. Um, from our various rehearsal spaces, um, from choir rooms to um, to blocking, it's it makes everyone just feel a little bit safer. I know a majority of us are vaccinated and boosted, mm-hmm. but I will say um, it's. I feel like it's not impeding our work. Yeah. very much besides volume and it's still <laughs> just a small piece of fabric right. um it definitely is different though for taking care of your vocal health because it is so easy to get dried out with masks on so our music well, director Zuri, yes it is because you know well you think with your mask on they nobody can hear you and mm-hmm. when you're in a group of people you can barely hear yourself still right as, unless you would without a mask so you you force more air which means you can get very dry in that room. So mm-hmm. our music director is encouraging us to take care of ourselves and make sure we're keeping ourselves safe. And our director was very open with the thought that we need to make sure that we're taking care of everyone in the room by being aware of what we're doing outside of the rehearsal space. Are we making smart, safe choices? Am I going to cause it? Maybe I am. I won't get COVID myself, but I could pass it to someone who might. Right. And it definitely um, encourages us to be, to take that extra second to think about what we're doing for the long-term health of our production and crew. Right. And not only are you protecting your crew and your cast and making it possible for the show to go on, you're making it possible for the audience coming in to feel safe as well, knowing that you guys have um, performed and always being precautious. I think that's something um, like really encouraging to hear from audiences as well. Yes, of course. I absolutely agree. Yeah. So the theme of this show I love is I think it's like very empowering, but obviously the story was made uh, years ago. So why do you think shows like this um, are still necessary and like relevant to put on today? And why do you think like people still enjoy coming to see this story? Well, nine to five for its time was, (laughs) it was very out there, especially Mm -hmm. when we see the marijuana scene. Um, When I talked to my mom and my grandma about it, you know, there they grew up in a time where weed was something you didn't talk about. People did, but there was a there was a huge stigma surrounding it. Now that for a majority of states and it's weed is completely legal. So mm-hmm. I think our generation, the past, um, I think more generations are come at um, subs, those, that substance in a very different way and perspective than other generations do. So we kept it. We have to acknowledge that because that is one of the best scenes in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, But also the theme of empowerment, we see these three, we see the stars of the show. We see Violet, who is a single mother, who's, who's a widow raising her son by herself. And that is still, that theme alone is empowering to someone who may be a single parent Mm -hmm. of any household, whether it's um, a man or a woman or however one ident or any one of the queer community who is raising a a child by themselves. Yeah. Um, then we look at Dorley, who is in whose eye you get to portray, and mm-hmm. she's in this very loving relationship. But the theme of sexual as- harassment will always be relevant. Completely. Again, no matter Completely. how, I will just say, however you identify, I think anyone can relate to these stories. And as someone who's, you know, who worked in the restaurants, who's been a bartender, I, ha- you know, sexual harassment for women, I think specifically, has always been, and uh, sadly, I, sometimes I think always will be an issue. 
Yeah. And it's sadly relatable for people who have held oh, those yes. jobs. Yeah. Oh, yes. But I will say if anyone who has seen the movie or seen the musical, there are, Doralee gets some very empowering moments. And we just went over those scenes um, just in the past week. And I will say, even just by reading through it with my coat, with my, um, with my fellow actor, you can feel that energy of standing up for yourself, even in that moment. And sadly, it took me to my flashback of, you know, when I was, when I was, when I was harassed and I found a little bit of, I got to work some through some of those emotions I didn't know were still there. Yeah. It was, it was wonderful. And then of course we, we visit Judy, whose husband left her, who cheated on her. And everybody can relate to that in some part of their life. Right. Whether they had have been that, that heartbreak yes. moment. Yes. So the show, even though it was made at a very different time, it is still, like we said, so relatable to audiences. And the wonderful um, little secret tidbit I'll tell you is that. Yes, please. Um, when you see the show, Jerry has made some, our director has made some very, a very interesting and amazing choices of when the, the three women are singing a certain, a specific song, but then all of the women in the cast are, are with them. And it is one of those moments where we are truly all standing together singing. It's, it's going to be so beautiful. And we were just sitting in the chairs and I won't give away everything. Like I won't tell you what song it is or sing because you need to feel that first glance, but even with some of the, um, descriptions our director gave us we knew it was going to be special mm -hmm. you know that it will be when you feel that tingle and that silence that hangs when you finish singing the song even in the rehearsal room it's yes. going to be wonderful oh those are magical moments yes for sure yes. um thank you for sharing that little tidbit it's making me really excited yes <laughs> i'm waiting for january to come it won't come fast enough i know <laughs> Um, so we do have to talk about the music, Miss mm -hmm. Dolly Parton. Mm -hmm. The queen so, herself. The queen herself. So um, tell me about like your relationship with her music, if you've like known it for a while or whatever, and kind of how, how have you taken your style into this type of music and mm -hmm. kind of like your relationship with this music? Sure. So if I'm being completely honest, I have, I've never been truly a big country person either listening or singing music whenever I've had to sing something um for an audition or for a class in college I actually started leaning towards Reba I'm a huge Reba fan oh, let wow. me say that mm -hmm. but I always respect and love Dar Dali as an artist because well of course we all know what she did with the with the pandemic when she turned Jolie Jolie yes. into vaccine vaccine everyone went nuts for that yes Dali has just I admire oh I just admire how much Dali has done for the community as a whole. She is someone who genuinely cares about other people. And she's just a star in a completely different way. Um, I do, I have listened to more of her music since being cast. Mm -hmm. But the wonderful thing is, who portrayed originally the role on Broadway is Megan Hilty, who I also love. So it's just amazing to step into the shoes of someone and to see what, see what kind of choices they made when they were in the role. Right. And Megan Hilty does an amazing job of stepping into Dolly Parton's shoes or inspiration for that mm -hmm. role. Which is hard but, to fill. Oh my goodness, of course, of course. Mm -hmm. But of course, at the same time, our director encouraged me. He said, you know, I don't really want you to be Dolly, I want you to be you. Right. So definitely finding those moments from a musical point of view, from because Dolly wrote the music in the book for mm -hmm. 
the musical to see, to find those spots where you can hear that's Dolly's style and then adjusting it for my style. And then from the acting and the accent um, in the book, Dorley is actually Texan. She's not from, oh, I think Dolly is from, I think she's, is she Tennessee? Is she from Tennessee? I feel like yes, but I also, I could not tell you the difference between those accents. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and see in my classes in college, I'm so glad I took dialects because there are some very regional differences. Mm-hmm. So I've been exploring what are the differences from the su- general Southern accent and diving into the Texan, because that will definitely change my delivery with lines. Yeah. yeah there's so much to so, think about. Oh my goodness. And that's really been a lot of the work is diving into who is Doralee. It's so wonderful to dive into someone so different from who I am. But at the, again, at the same time, so similar to who I am yeah. um, from a personality standpoint. So it has been so amazing just to have the opportunity to become a brand new character. I love that. Um, and I love how you talk about bringing pieces of Dolly, bringing pieces of yourself, bringing pieces of the original Broadway version. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think when people go to see a show that's well known like this, I don't think they're looking for a carbon copy. They're looking mm-hmm. for something that is brand new, but also like holds true to that, like, you know, Dolly style. So I love that answer. Thank you. Thank you. Last but not least, I just want to ask you since this is your first experience, I know we've talked about how great the experience is and everything, but what would you say to someone who is looking to join the stage crafters community, whether it's on stage, behind stage, or even just becoming a member and seeing the shows? What would you say to them? Oh, just do it. <laughs> just do it. It definitely can be nerve wracking to enter into any new community you're unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. And I know that everyone has something to give. They all have a talent to offer to the community. And I think to an extent, this Royal, um, the Baldwin Theater, Stagecrafters is an organization that definitely appreciates and encourages new thoughts, new ideas, and new people into their community because they know it will only better them. They are very open to everyone. It is wonderful to see, again, like I've said before, just so much heart that comes out of every single person, every single night, every single time I speak with someone. That's what makes them so incredibly special. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much again to Miss Erica Kennedy for joining us. Please go and catch her at the Stagecrafters of Baldwin Theater. The show 9 to 5 will be running from January 28th to February 20th um, in the year 2022. So please try and get out and go. Um, Thank you again to our guest. Um, I'm Bridget Coddington. Everyone have a wonderful day. This has been On The Go with NPOs, a Michigan State Arts and Cultural Management and Museum Studies podcast. Thank you to our program director, K.F. Latham, and the College of Arts and Letters for supporting this project. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect official entities of Michigan State University. To hear more episodes and learn how Michigan State trains future arts administrators to manage with compassion and care, visit artsmuseumsmanagement.calc.msu.edu forward slash podcast.